Welcome again to MCC and a happy Mother's Day to all of our moms that are watching out there. I thought on Mother's Day we should have something a little bit unique and so I invited the mother of my kids, my wife, to join me on the stage today. And so, um, so we're super excited. This is our first time really teaching together as a team and um, so we're really excited to see where it goes. It might be a hot mess. <laughs> we'll just kind of see what happens. Train wreck. Um, it could be a train wreck. <laughs> Speaking of train wrecks, a quarantine has been a really interesting time to be a parent and specifically to be a mom and I think a lot of moms out there are like my wife and like this lady on this video that are having some challenges right now that they've never had before. Check this out. Hi everybody, just thought I'd give you a quick update. Um, I think we're on day, I don't know, whatever day it is. Uh, but I just wanna tell you that here at home, we're just having such a great time. Everybody is just wonderful. They, um, you know, we get up in the morning and we're just so fortunate with uh, how well we get along and spending all this, time together and uh, I mean we're we're doing puzzles we're we're helping each other um, you know in times like this it just brings everybody um, close to the next level you know the kids are in their 20s I've been married to Charlie uh, for I don't know 28 years and I, I just can't I'm just overwhelmed with um, appreciation of who we are um, as a family and I just cannot wait for the, uh, the next four weeks that we're just going to be here at home and I'm just really fortunate so I thought I'd give you a quick update. It really is a hard season right now to be a parent especially to be a mom. You know, speaking of quarantine, we started a brand new series last week that we called The New Normal. It's based on Matthew chapter 5, a part of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached in Scripture. And we're really praying that right now in this season, that as God is kind of stretching us, as He's creating new challenges for us or allowing us to walk through new challenges, that it really will stretch us into a new place, a place of deeper faith, of, of greater passion for Christ, a more fruitful life, and really uh, what we're calling the new normal for us as believers, which is what Jesus really begins to line out in Matthew 5. I'm going to read a passage this morning um, that is is kind of our, the third topic that Jesus touches on in Matthew 5. And, and I would say that out of all the ones that are in there, it's probably the most controversial out of the group. And um, even it was for his crowd in that day, and it certainly is for our crowd today. It's in Matthew 5, and Jesus is going to talk about the topic of divorce. And this is what he says. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. That's in Matthew 5, verse 31 and 32. So in this passage, Jesus addresses divorce and remarriage. And you might think, well, was that a prevalent thing back in that time? And it really was. It was a very prevalent thing in Jewish culture. And so he was saying something that his crowd would have had a lot of objection to, just like we probably would have a little bit of that today in this room if we were all here together. And so as we begin to think about this series, we believe this was God's will for our church right now. At the same time, we know that this topic is a pretty tough one for families that are all in the room together right now. And so out of deference for 
parents that have kids in the room, we're going to do something that I, I really kind of dislike doing. And that's kind of, we're going to skirt over this issue of divorce and really address instead today, we're going to address marriage and healthy marriages. And so if you want more information about what the Bible says about divorce, you can go on our website to our resources tab. You can uh, click on that. There's going to be a position paper on divorce from the Assemblies of God. It's a great paper, a great read. It's going to help you understand the biblical view of divorce and remarriage. And so go to that if you want more information. But for today, even though divorce is a big deal right now, mm -hmm. we really wanted to tackle this from um, just what, the, what we should be talking about today, which is how to have healthy marriages where divorce is never an issue, where it's never an option, and where certainly it's not ever going to be a need in your home. All right, so here we go. You know, right now, a lot of us have been noticing maybe new frustrations, new things that are maybe getting on our nerves about our spouse. Not me. This is probably people <laughs> like Andrea might have some more of those kinds of things. Um, but you may feel like you have some new frustrations with your spouse that you've never even really noticed before. I thought maybe what we could do right now is write out, um, maybe answer this question. What are the new frustrations that you've been, what's been getting on your nerves about me in this season of quarantine. So you want to okay, do that right now? Sure. I got a couple whiteboards here. I'm going to hand you one. And I'm going to do one too. So we, we have not discussed our answers. Though we, you all right That's there? okay. All right. We didn't know it was coming. So we talked about the question, but we can don't know. Can I do know. two? Can you, yes, you can do two. Okay. <laughs> that means I got to figure out a second don't one. Do don't do two. And be careful, two. I'm sensitive. <laughs> okay. Um, All right. If you're at home right now, you might just ask your spouse, what about me has been annoying you in this season? All right. I'm going to do a pretty nice one, I think. Aw. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm self-conscious about my spelling. Oh, I'm going to call you out on it if you get it wrong. All right. <laughs> right, I did too. All right. Well, why don't you do your first one first? Since you had okay. Two. So mine is your lack of social distancing. So <laughs> I get really embarrassed when Matt, we see somebody out in public we like, and Matt will always get like one feet away from them and like just be right up in their face. And yep. I want to be like, come back. I just feel bad because they're probably like really worried about you getting germs on them. So that's Could one. Be. That's Could be. something All right. on my nerves about you. In quarantine. All right. Well, my one is, it's pretty simple. Oh. Wrong <laughs> lyrics. Okay. This is um, a kind of classic Andrea thing. And I just notice it more now because we're together all the time. <laughs> Andrea sings songs all the time with the wrong lyrics. Yes. All the time. Yes. I think she does it actually to make me upset because it drives me Sometimes. crazy. Sometimes. Sometimes. So, um, 50%. 50%. She's just doing it on purpose to drive me nuts. So uh, that's mine. Okay, so my second one is I hate when you dump coffee grounds in the sink. Like you do that all the time before quarantine, but I thought this was a good time to bring it up. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, then um, duly noted. <laughs> all right. So in this season, we thought, you know, this is a great time for us to do a little bit of a teaching on marriage and how to really have a healthy marriage in this season. You know, COVID-19, this, this whole virus... Part of the effects of it, one of the major effects, is that it really attacks the lungs. And so your, your breathing capacity is really attacked by it. 
In the same way, a season like this can really come in and take the, the air, so to speak, out of your marriage. And so we thought this would be a great time to kind of talk about divorce immunity, okay? We cannot guarantee, we can't say, hey, if you do these five things, then you're going to be have a divorce-proof marriage. Uh, there are two people in every marriage, and so right. we cannot guarantee a divorce-proof marriage. At the same time, we believe if you do these few things we're going to talk about, that it will create an immunity. It'll build an immunity in your marriage where you'll be able to be resilient in this season and really in every season uh, past this. All right, so we're going to, go ahead. What I was thinking too, when I was praying about this, I was like, you know, a lot of couples are together like us and they've been together for years, 20, 30, 40 years, and divorce may not be on the table, mm -hmm. but my prayer is that we can all take away something today and that it won't be necessarily divorce that they're worried about, but just not being miserable in your marriage, that yeah. we can have marriages that are, you know, thriving and not dying. That's good. So we're going to give you guys eight marriage practices that we believe if you do these things, it'll strengthen your marriage relationship. It'll build an immunity uh, for you guys from divorce. So number one, we're going to reevaluate expectations. You know, unmet expectations are the cause of almost all marital conflict. In fact, almost everything, probably, maybe every conflict comes down to some unmet expectation. Uh, so you expected him to make more money and or maybe to handle money better than he does. You know, um, you might have expected her to cuddle more often. <laughs> right, right? Yeah, right, cuddling. So. <laughs> oh, we love cuddling. So, um, Maybe you expected her to discipline your kids in a different way. Maybe, uh, maybe you grew up one way and she does something mm -hmm. very, very different. But That's unmet true. expectations are usually the cause of all marital conflict. Check out this verse in Proverbs chapter 13. Hope that is put off makes the heart sick, but a desire that comes into being is a tree of life. Now, when our hopes are really, our expectations are put off over time, those, those expectations that we have as they're put off, can really yeah. begin to, to cause sickness yeah. to come into our hearts. And then from that, it can cause sickness to come into our marriage. Those unmet expectations can begin to destroy our affection for one another from the inside out. Right? Right. Any thoughts on that at all? I think sometimes what expectations are is when we bring our own ruler to the marriage and we have mm. our own set of measurements on what makes a good marriage. And so the problem is, is your ruler maybe look different than ours. And so if you don't measure up in certain areas, then that makes me feel, or whoever may feel, you know, not happy with where you're at. You know, I had a friend one time that one of her expectations was that her husband was going to take care of the finances. Right. And, and another one, and it seems so simple and dumb, but another thing was that he would change the oil in the cars because those were things that her dad always did for her. And when her dad did that for her, it brought a lot of security to her and it made her feel loved and provided for. So when her husband did not do those things, it made her feel, and it's silly, but it made her feel abandoned mm. because he wasn't caring for her in a way that she saw some, her dad care for her. So that's just kind of an example of an mm -hmm. expectation and how it can affect our relationship. Right. So what do we do if our expectations are not being met? If we have things that are, it's kind of that hope that's been set aside, you know, and it's causing us to have frustrations in our marriage, what do we do? Well, we're going to surrender our expectations. 
expectations that we have that are not being met with our spouse are going to have to be surrendered. And here's one of the secrets of this. If everybody involved surrenders the expectations that they have, that when those things are, are met in some way by their spouse, instead of being just like the obligation, kind of that baseline, it now becomes a blessing. It becomes what the proverb said, it becomes a tree of life for your spouse. And can I say, can we, those expectations need to fall into normalcy. Right. You can't, if you, you can't let go of expectations that, you know, maybe you want a husband that doesn't scream at you. Like that is not an expectation you let go of. We're talking about expectations that fall into the normal grid. Right. That's good. I have a great takeaway question. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So we have some great takeaway questions for at the end of each point that you guys can write down and kind of meet up with your spouse later and ask these questions to each other. So for this one, um, expectations, you can ask your spouse, what expectations did I not fulfill? All right, there you go. I'll ask you that later. All right, I'll look forward to answering that. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Number two, we're gonna deal with financial stress going back to what your friend's struggle was. This yeah. is the number one source of marital stress in America and probably in the yeah. whole world is financial stress. And so the importance of getting on the same page, kind of getting your heads above water and then keeping it there together as a team, it is so important. And I would just say that one tool we have as a church that we've, we've been doing quite a bit is Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace. And if you've never been part of that class, but you're having some financial struggle or conflict maybe around this topic, um, I would encourage you go online find the information when we're all back up and running get involved in one of those classes i believe it's going to be helpful to you i believe it's going to help you get on the same page and really kind of move forward in this area and eliminate a lot of the stress that often comes with it yeah that's there at all? well a lot of the stress that comes from that is well why we mentioned financial peace university is we're not trying to push a program mm -hmm. we really do believe that when we surrender our finances to God, what we're doing is we're surrendering our trust about finances. Because when that debit card is declined at the grocery store, there's a lot of finger pointing that starts happening. Like you spend too much or you did this or you got us into debt and it causes a lot of marital frustration. So once you start offering your, your finances to God, you're surrendering that part of your life to Him. And so you're surrendering maybe ungodly behaviors that you're doing with um, your finances, but you're also surrendering your trust. So no longer is your trust for provision in your spouse, but your trust, you learn to put it in the Lord. So if things get tight, you don't start blaming and getting bitternesses against your spouse. You start to trust God and you know that He's gonna provide for you. That's good. So it's good to line those things up in, the, in a godly order. So yeah. that's why we say that class is great. Did you have a question on that one? Yes, so there's it? a great takeaway question. Right. Is there something that I can do different or more to help with the finances? It's a great one. It's a great one. Good question, all right. Number three, deal with conflict quickly and righteously. In Ephesians 4, this is what it says. If you become angry, do not let your anger lead you into sin and do not stay angry all day. Ephesians 4, 26. Okay, I don't think that what it means there is that, hey, before the sun goes down or before a specific time, you need to make sure you right. deal with conflict. I think what it's just saying is simply this, that if you have conflict, deal with it as quick as possible. Don't let it fester. Don't let it become like a seed of bitterness that's kind of planted in your heart and begins to grow and right. unforgiveness and all these things come out of that. Make sure when you have conflict that you deal with it really quickly. 
if you find that maybe maybe your spouse all of a sudden kind of blows up over nothing, like it'll be weeks and even months where it seems like it's all pretty good, and then all of a sudden something small happens and your spouse just blows up, you might kind of track that back and begin to, to look at, did you have other conflicts that were not really dealt with, right? Were you... Mm -hmm let the sun go down on that anger and kind of let it just sit there, kind of put it under the rug and just moved on. What you'll find is if you do that, that over time, all of a sudden something small will happen and it will blow up in your face and you'll wonder why is that that big of a deal, you know? But the reality is, is you were not dealing with conflicts as they came, but instead you were letting them lie. And so I would just encourage you, uh, make sure that you deal with conflicts quickly. Yeah, commu that's communicating to each mm -hmm. other. So if you're frustrated, share with your spouse things that are frustrating. And sometimes a lot of reasons why people don't want to share the things they're frustrated is because their spouse is not a safe place for them. If they've shared something in the past, they may blow up in anger or they may go into martyr mode. So you need to make sure that you're a safe place where they can share those frustrations or they're going to carry those bitternesses longer. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing with that is that make sure that when you're, when you're dealing with conflict that you're not sinning with your words or crossing kind of right. lines that you should not cross verbally. There are things that, that we would never even consider doing like in a physical way. Like we would never abuse our spouse in a physical way. But there are times that we cross lines verbally that we should never cross as well. And so in the same way that uh, physical abuse can leave bruises that will last for days, maybe for weeks even. Uh, verbal, verbal wounds can last for decades. And so make sure that when you're, when you're in a conflict that you're not using the words that you have to really wound uh, and, and brutalize your spouse in any way. And so be careful when you're dealing with your, uh, your conflict that you do it in a righteous way. All right? Right. Good. So the takeaway question. question is, what do I do in fights that hurt you? Yes. What do I do in fights that hurts you? This is like a way to get ammunition for the next time. No, I'm just kidding. You don't want to, you don't want to do that. All right. Number four, prioritize your time together. Prioritize time together. All right. Often we've heard the, we've heard the phrase, the grass is always greener on the other side. And what I would say to that is this, the grass is greener where you water it most. When it comes to your marriage, you might look outside your marriage and you might be thinking, hey, if I was with that person, then I would have a really good marriage. Or if I was single again, instead of being married to this person, then I would have a great life. But the reality is, is the grass grows greenest where you water it. And so spending time with your spouse is like watering your lawn. And so going on things like date nights or on uh, coronavirus walks when you're all stuck in quarantine, <laughs> right? Uh, maybe it's just like spending time talking or maybe what else? do we do? Well, we will have a series that we're watching on TV yes. and we get pumped about it every night. So that's kind of like our date night. Kids get into bed. We can watch our show. Yes. Except the kids go to bed super late now. So it's kind of hard to wait for that it's, moment. It's but messed up during it's quarantine. It's messed up. It's a, like a frat house, the whole house. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so how much time should you spend with your spouse? Experts say that five and a half hours a week of interaction is going to help strengthen your marriage. So five and a half hours should be your minimum when you're thinking about spousal interaction. You might say, well, if I factor in my, my golf game and then maybe my poker night with the guys and all the other hobbies that I have, it's going to be hard to make five and a half hours for my spouse work. And I would just tell you, that you're going to need to carve some time out of your schedule to make sure that you can do this for your spouse. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And with that, I would say this. 
if it's important to her, it needs to be important to you. That just as Jesus gave his life for the church, that you will lay down your rights, lay down your, your causes, lay down the things that you want to do so that your wife or so that your husband, in this case as well, can be blessed and, and can be cared for with your time. And so uh, absence does not ever really make the heart grow fonder. All absence does is make some, something else look better. Mm -hmm. And so just make sure that you're spending time, and experts say five and a half hours is kind of that magical number. If you'll hit at least that much, it'll bring greater health and strength to your marriage and build you an immunity toward divorce. Question. Question. Do we spend enough time together, slash, or you can ask, are you lonely? It's mm, good. So do we spend enough time together or are you feeling lonely? Ask that question of your spouse. Number five, listen to the Spirit and live by God's Word. What we're talking about is really just developing a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I think for us as a couple, this has been really the secret sauce for our marriage. We've always made this a priority. And so it's not going to guarantee perfection, but what it does guarantee is sanctification. If you'll spend time in the Word of God, if you'll spend time in prayer, what it's going to do for your life is it's going to begin to refine you and make you look more and more like Jesus. And the more you look like Him, the better your marriage is going to be. We cannot stress this enough that you need to make sure that you're prioritizing your relationship with Christ every day, that you're learning from His Word, that you're spending time in prayer. Yes, yeah, so whenever I would talk to um, young women getting married, I would always kind of share, Matt isn't an awesome husband, he's an awesome Christian. And what I was trying to say was our relationship, our marriage relationship is directly um, affected us by what his relationship with God is. And for mm -hmm. me too, you know, it's so important for me um, personally not to ever grieve the heart of God. So when I'm sinning against him and I'm having an ungodly reaction to him or I'm treating him ungodly, I know that that grieves the heart of God, and yeah. I just never want anything to come in between me and the Lord. That's so important to me. So yeah. I would always try to keep um, the lines of communication open between um, me and God. So make sure those things were vertically, you know, in, in order. So my relationships, you know, horizontally will be in order. Yeah, that's good. There's a great passage in Ecclesiastes that says, Keep your temper under control. It is foolish to harbor a grudge. Now for us, verses like this have been kind of things that have pointed the way for us in our behaviors toward one another. And so we're talking about, like we've already mentioned, uh, forgiveness and anger and all those things. You know, when we look at verses like this, we, we know that this is what God's word says. So maybe our parents did it in a different way. Maybe they were people that harbored a grudge. They were maybe not great at forgiving or saying they were sorry. But we're going to read the scripture and we're going to say, God, how can our lives align with your word? How can we be those who don't harbor grudges, who are always quick to forgive and even keep our anger, our temper under control? And so, you know, we look at things like when the Bible says that love does not keep a record of wrongs. If you've got kind of a list of things that your spouse has done against you and you're always kind of pulling them back out, it's like you always have a really good memory when it comes to those things. And every fight, you pull it right back out. You need to burn the list. Get rid of the list. Don't keep a list, a record of wrongs against your spouse. It's things like that that have been so helpful for us as we've just, um, you know, been 20 plus years now in marriage, right? Right. Yeah. Okay, what's your question for this one? So the takeaway question, is there anything I've done that still hurts you? 
Is there anything I've done that still hurts you? All right. That's a good one. That you need to forgive. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Number six. So on the other side of that same coin, don't listen to the devil. So we're going to really listen to the Holy Spirit, let the Word of God uh, guide us and be like a lamp to our feet and all those things. But we're also going to make sure we, we kind of tune against, kind of tune out the Word of the enemy. And let me just say this. If you're in a place right now where you feel like your marriage is hopeless, that is the Word of the devil. It is not the Word of God. God has good things in store for your marriage. The enemy would love to come in. If you've been married more than like five days, the enemy's going to come in and begin to tell you, this is hopeless. This is not going to end well. This is not going to go well. And I want to just tell you today that, that God has something better in store for your marriage. There was a survey done years ago where they surveyed over 5,000 married people. And out of that 5,000, 1,300 plus of them said they were unhappily married. They were not happy in their marriage. Five years later, they came back to the same 1,300 people to ask them how things were going now in their marriage. Now, for, uh, out of those who stuck it out and kind of said, we're going to keep going forward, 80% were now saying they were happily married. Of those who were divorced, 19% uh, said they were happy wow. being divorced. What that tells me is this. If you'll stick it out, you may be in a hard time right now, but if you will stick it out, that God can, can bring a, a change to your season and things that you feel like, man, this is miserable, this is awful, I can't keep going through this, that God can bring a change and it can, it can become great again. It can be better than it was even at the very beginning. Even when you were dating, God can turn it around and it can be amazing. I remember when we were um, going through a really hard time, we actually had two miscarriages. And during that time, the enemy just honestly attacked our marriage. And during my quiet time, which I was supposed to be doing spiritual things, <laughs> I wrote out a list in my journal of 23 reasons why I hated Matt. And, and on the back of that was 20 reasons why I hated our marriage. <laughs> That's a lot, right? That's, That's lot. 40 things. Yes. But um, the thing that really stuck out to me is months later, Matt was still the same person. Like nothing changed. He wasn't acting any different from before. Nothing changed. It was just the season. It was an attack. And so I'm so glad that I held on during that time and, and held on to God and, and didn't listen to the, what the enemy was literally telling me. I made a list and that I could see later that that was emotions and attack and, and all those things. Mm -hmm. That's good. All right, do you have a question for us before sure. we go on? The takeaway is, what lie do you hear from the enemy about our marriage? Mm. So ask your spouse, what lie are you hearing about our marriage from the enemy? All right, that's a good one. Number seven, get help. If you're in crisis, I want to just encourage you, if you're in a place where you're in a crisis mode right now in your marriage, don't neglect your marriage. Don't don't. Keep putting it off and assuming right. it's going to get better, assuming that it's, it's going to resolve itself at some point. Man, go, go get some help. It could be that you go to some counseling as a, as a couple. It might be that you go as an individual. It could be that you go to a, a marriage retreat or a conference or something like that. But go get some help if you're in a place of crisis. And I would just say, even beyond crisis, if you're just like, you need a tune-up. Like, it's like, you yeah. know, we take our cars in to get tuned up. 
You might be 10 years in and it could be a pretty good marriage. You might just want to go and get a tune-up though. Maybe go for a session or two of counseling just to kind of make sure you're airing things out and working through problems you might be having. And so don't like put a stigma on counseling. Make sure that if, you, if you're in a place where you need to do that, man, do it. Yeah. Right? Going to counseling is not failure. I think a no. lot of people, some people struggle with going. They feel like, oh, well, we've failed. It's not. It's really a sign that, you know, you're trying to get a win for your marriage. So mm -hmm. I, I wish everybody could do it. I wish we had a full-time counselor on staff <laughs> that we could all go to. Yeah. I think it's good. awesome. <laughs> so a takeaway question is, ask your spouse, do we need counseling? <laughs> Are we in crisis? Right. I think it's okay to ask because sometimes one, one, one person can be completely oblivious right. to how dark the other one is feeling. Yeah, and I would say the guys, usually the oblivious one is us, yes. right? And so yes. if you ask her and she says, yes, we need counseling, then just I'm just going to challenge you. Go. Just go. Yeah, Take just action. Go. Get it done. And uh, make sure that you're investing in your marriage. One more thing on that I would say, too, is when it comes to getting help, Sometimes that help is going to come in the form of a lot of other couples around you. So surround yourself with some healthy married couples, and that's going to be super helpful. Get in a small group, uh, go to a marriage class, do something where you're around people that love God and love each other, and that can be super helpful. All right, number eight, last one, is this. Even the best spouse is not a good savior. Amen. 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 Preach. There are some things that only Jesus can do for you and some things that only Jesus can do for your marriage. There are gaps that, that cannot be filled. No matter how hard you try, your spouse is never going to, as the movie says, complete you. Only Jesus can do that. There's a passage in 1 John that I love. This is what it says. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Now, when it comes to like the order of love in our lives, we're supposed to love God first, love our spouse second, and love our kids third. When it comes to the order of service, serve God first, serve your spouse second, and serve your kids third. When it comes to the order of worship, worship God first, and that's it. God gets all the worship. He's the only one that has that top spot in our life. And so a lot of times the problem that happens in marriages is, is that we take God's job description and we hand that yeah. to our spouse and we say, hey, this is what you need to do for me. And so it might look something like this. I want you to never leave me, ever. Like always be present in my life. Always love me in a perfect kind of way. Always forgive me right when I say I'm sorry. Always love me with a perfect love, even when I'm selfish and angry and, and bitter. Always love me perfectly. Lay down all of your rights and even lay down your life for me. That's how I want you to love me, right? But that's not your spouse's job description. That's God's job description, right? Only Jesus can do those things for you. In fact, he did that, those things for you. In Romans chapter 5, it says that Christ proved the love of God when he died on the cross for us while we were still sinners. When you and I were at our very worst, Jesus gave his life for us. He died for ungodly people like you and I. And so when we expect our spouse to do those things, it's not achievable, but Jesus has done that for you and I. You know, there's a, there's a relationship that's even more important than our relationship with our spouse. I would say this is the second most important decision I ever made was to marry my wife, Andrea. Right? Yep. <laughs> but the most important decision I ever made was the one I decided to give my life to Jesus.
Now, I was about 15 years old when I did that. And at that point, my life was transformed. I became a new creation, a new person. Everything began to change from the inside out in my life. We've been talking about this idea of a new normal. For you, spiritually, when you accept Christ, the Bible says that you are made new. It's the most important thing you can ever do. And if you're watching today and you've never made a decision to follow Christ, I would just implore you, I would, I would ask you, today is the great day to accept Christ. It's a great day to let Him be the Savior of your life. There are things your spouse can never do for you, but those are the things that God can do for your life. He will love you with an undying love. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will love you when you're at your worst. On your worst day, He's gonna love you just the same exact way that He loves you on your best day. That's the way that God steps into our lives. So I would ask you today, if you've never made that decision, it's today the day that you're ready to decide to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If it is, I'm going to pray a prayer. And you can just repeat after me right from your living room, from your couch, or wherever you're at right now. Repeat this prayer after me. And the Bible says that as you confess with your mouth, speak it out loud, and you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, that he died the death that you should have died, but then he was raised again on the third day. The Bible says that you will be saved. So I'm just going to pray a prayer, and I'm going to invite you to pray this after me. Let's do it right now. Can you be our pray after people? Yes. Just to kind of help us do this. All right, here we go. Everyone say, Jesus. Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for living the life. Thank you for living the life. That I could not live. That I could not live. And dying the death. And dying the death. That I deserve to die. That I deserve to die. I ask you right now. I ask you right now. To forgive all my sins. To forgive all my sins. To change me from the inside out. To change me from the inside out. I give my life to you. I give my life to you. From this day forward. From this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 If you prayed that prayer today, your whole life is going to step into a new normal. This is a new normal for you, a new life. The Bible says that all the old things, all the old sins and patterns and all those things have passed away and everything has become new. You are a new person, a new creation, and we could not be more excited about that. If you did that, I'm just going to encourage you when we kind of begin to open things back up and, uh, and you know, we're getting back in church. If you're around here, man, come to MCC. We'd love to have you be part of our family. If you're not in this area, find a great church that's going to teach you about Jesus and help you to live according to his purposes. We love you guys. Have an awesome Mother's Day to all you moms out there. And we'll see you guys next Sunday morning right here at 11 a.m.